microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. This is Extreme Freedom Audio Bulletin. It cannot be traced, it cannot be stopped, and it is the only free voice left in the geek revolution. And welcome to another episode of Weeby Geeks. It is Derek, myself, Mike. Still no nickname for our combination, since the Warriors 3 is not available since Brett's not here. But we could be the Warriors 3 tonight because we have the director and, I believe, writer of Rogue Warrior, starring our guest from a couple weeks ago, Tracy Birdsall. And he's also the director behind Evolution War. Mm -hmm. And that's Neil Johnson. How's everyone doing? Hello there. Hello there. Hello. So um, we got Tracy's take on Evolution War. We know that's the project that's coming out here in the next few months. Figure we'll, we'll take the behind-the-camera aspect of it. Tell us a little bit about Evolution War for those who didn't listen to the Tracy interview, which shame on you. It's only two episodes <laughs> ago. Um, but yeah, love to hear your take on, on Ev- Evolution War. Oh, that's a – you know, we're, we're on a slight – just imagine, just imagine we're like a miniature Lucasfilm, and you just asked me which, uh, which, uh, which is the next Star Wars movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, by the way, you know, uh, you know, wow, what a shock! By the way, did you get to hear the news on the Lucasfilm thing today? What they were saying, they're not going to do any more um, standalone films for a while. Did you hear that rumor? Yeah, I, yeah, hearing that's it's rumor and speculation. Uh, and I've seen quite a few people say, unless we hear it from Lucasfilm or Disney, uh, it's just that it's rumor. Well, I, I, I live in, you know, I live in Los Angeles. I, I hear a lot of rumors. I mean, I heard just, I mean, I'm changing the subject, but you know, like Star Wars <laughs> resistance, you know, I heard about that before it was announced and it was pretty accurate. And I, you know, there's a lot of people around who know things. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. you, you know, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. That's a real rumor. Let's just say, but anyway, um, <laughs> evolution war. I, again, there's a reason why I can't talk too much about it just yet. Um, now it's uh, I'm going to say a lot of maybe things. It, it may or may not take place in a similar universe to a previous film that I've done. Uh, it's not a sequel, I can say that, but that's about all I can say. You know, if if you've seen any any of my previous films, if you haven't, well, it's it's basically this very brave warrior person fighting giant creatures with spaceships and robots. Now, it sounds very generic and everything else, uh, cartoony. It's not cartoony. It's a very serious character drama with a lot of, uh, a lot of action and a lot of, uh, I don't know, a lot of wisdom in the film. Uh, you know, I, I can't, I can't talk, talk about how good or bad my films are to, because I make the things, and that would be just extremely arrogant. But the feedback I've got from the script on this is it's like people are saying, wow, this is your most original and possibly best script but I, I, I debate that question uh, because, you know, I've also done a movie called The Time War, uh, which I can talk about a little bit. The Time War is Adolf Hitler traveling through time, rewriting history. And it's about his daughter who tries to stop him. And that's currently 
an eight-hour movie, which has been shot. It's it's in in the can. Yeah, I mean, what's an eight-hour movie? <laughs> it, it's a trilogy, or it's a it's a it's a season one of a TV series. Or or, uh, uh, or the first. Tracy was telling. Uh, I was going to say, or it's the uh, first movie of the Hobbit series. Yeah, yeah. no kidding. <laughs> Tracy, yeah, Tracy was telling us about the Time War, and that one sounded really interesting. Yeah, I'm oh, definitely it's, it's, definitely interested in that. Oh, you will love it. I, I'm going to say that because I love it. You know, I'm into. I mean, you know, I'm a big. I, that's all I care about is sci-fi stuff, and I mean, proper sci-fi, not this, um, not this stuff that's put out there to make money. Um, mm. I'm into the stuff that you know really challenges the stories and the minds of people. I mean, you know, I'm not trying to change the world, but I, I like stories that really make you think. So with the Time War, well, I digress on that. The Time War has been it's been shot in. Uh, hang on. It's been shot in uh, probably about 20 different locations in the UK, uh, castles and castles and uh, churches and stuff and oh, wow. empty fields, even in Stonehenge. Well, actually near Stonehenge. Uh, it's also been shot uh, in the United States out in the desert and a couple of different deserts. Tiny bit has been shot in Australia. Um it's it's and it's it's mostly finished, but I've still got some pickup shots to do, and I need to go back to Germany to do some extra shooting in Germany because it is about Nazis. So um, you can understand that you have to shoot in the the fatherland for part right. of it, sure, uh, <laughs> and also Italy. Uh, but I can't say too much about that because that may get me arrested. I haven't done that yet. Um, now you, you were saying going back to Germany. I yeah. know. Like when Tom Cruise did Valkyrie, he had to get special permission for use of the swastika on <laughs> with with the uniforms. Are you having to find that same? Are, are you going through that same process? Or well, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. See, I, I I'm assuming uh, the special permission is probably just a, a PR move. Like, okay, so if if he's shot in Germany, then probably he would have had to have special permission because you know I, I used I've done a lot of stuff in Germany, uh, a lot of music videos and stuff for heavy metal bands, and I remember one day I came up with this font, you know, this lettering system that looked a little bit of uh, I don't know something. It turned out it was a banned form of lettering because it looked like Nazi writing, and I couldn't use that in Germany because it kind of you know evoked the uh, the Third Reich. It wasn't on purpose. It was just something that looked cool. So um, I know they had the rules in Germany about such things. You cannot display the swastika and stuff. So, you know, they kind of take the extreme, the extreme. But it's not a copyright. It's not a copywritten symbol per se. So I would have to assume they shot um, that film in Germany and had to get special permission. Um, you know, I know you can't do the, uh, the Hitler salute anywhere in Germany without, A, people giving you dirty looks or, B, getting arrested. Um, you know, so it, it, that is a thing you can't do. That being said, you know, it's um, we've all been, you know, I've been with my crew to Nuremberg and stood where Hitler stood. And, you know, you, you, you do get tempted to do the the, uh, the Hitler salute just as a piece of history because it's like, wow. And then you think, oh, it's really not a good thing to do because yeah. uh, of what it really means. But, you know, it's that moment of like, well, this is where Hitler stood when he did that salute. So, mm. you know, I, I, I get I get the uh, it's, you know, I'm, I obviously have Jewish blood in me. So I get the Same point here. that it's not a cool thing, not a cool thing to do. But when you're standing in history uh, and you're standing where this stuff took place it's it's you know it's it's chilling it's yeah. it's you know it's exciting and it's scary at the same time uh and i you know i've i you know i had nightmares about hitler when i was a kid so um 
you know, it's one of those things. But, you know, I, I'm pretty sure that had to do with Germany. That being said, you know, we had a lot of we have a lot of swastikas in the film. And, you know, people were giving me I was getting a lot of crap for it, you know, from people here and there because they just saw it and got very upset. Now, imagine Spielberg doing uh, Schindler's List, which is one of, one of the you know greatest, one of the great movies. Yeah. Uh, well, he had he had swastikas in that, and he had swastikas in uh, the Indiana Jones movie. It doesn't mean it was he was doing it because to glorify it, but you know people will see it and give a gut reaction to it. So, um, well, I, the way it was done to it, help us establish the time period. Well, exactly, it's a piece of history, and I mean we we don't glorify the Nazi situation whatsoever in this film. You know, it is about Hitler's daughter. But she does not agree with what her father did. And, um, you know, it's pretty much drawing a line between the two of them, you know, based upon, you know, what Hitler was doing and stuff. But it's also an examination of who Hitler was and and what he was thinking, you know, and I, I did a lot of research into it. So. You know, you're you're walking a, a fine line, but but when when it comes to the crunch, you try to make a movie that's just fascinating and intriguing, and you want to understand who Hitler was and who the Nazis were. And I have a lot of friends who are Germans, uh, who are you know very ashamed of what happened. And you know, I have Croatian friends who were you know whose parents were Nazis, and and <laughs> you know that we've all had to we've all walked a path that sometimes in life you know we all do bad things and good things. So I, you know. Um, it, it's been a learning phase for me, you know, just watching the gut reaction of people. But um, what, what can you say? You know, it's you got to treat it with uh, humility, respect, understanding, but also truth. And, you know, we, we, we show a lot of Hitler in this film and we show him for the man he is. And, and you know, it, it, it's more of a it's more how do you fight the, 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 uh, the great evil? You know, how do you fight uh, and maintain your own soul without going down the dark path yourself. And that's what the film examines. So, you know, it's, it's, you will, I can guarantee you'll love the film. If you're into sci-fi and stuff, oh, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's something different and it's a very serious film. You know, it's a very epic film. Um, and, uh, I believe it's a morally just film. So, you know, I, I can say that about it. Um, you know, that's, that's what it is. It's not a, you know, it's, it's not a preachy film. It's a, it's a matter of fact, time travel film. <laughs> and, um, you know, Hitler, Hitler in this movie has giant flying submarines, um, you know, and <laughs> does terrible things with them and travels through time and, and, you know, tries to, you know, finds different versions of himself and, you know, genetically modifies himself. Uh, you know, it's, it's big, it's right. big. Right. <laughs> So, um, well, I, I'm I'm glad to hear uh, you say you're, you're trying to hit sci-fi more along the lines of, of true sci-fi, which I'm assuming be like like the uh, the old Ray Bradbury mm-hmm. type stuff and the Arthur C. Clarke or the the Asimov type yeah. writings and and that. Um, because with, with my dad having read a, a lot of that and exposing me to a lot of those authors as a kid, uh, that was the sci-fi I got into. And, of course, you know, with Star Wars and I'm probably one of the few people who actually enjoyed the black hole as, <laughs> the sci- as a sci-fi film. I, I found you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all liked the black hole at the time it came out. Yeah, true. It was yeah. nothing wrong with it. You know, old Bob and the other, you know, Vincent um, and the big red robot. Maximilian. With the Maximilian with the, you know. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The weird appendage. Um, but, you know, I, I look, for me, it started when I was six years old and I read The Time Machine and War yeah. of the World. Yeah. Um, 
Nice. And I would say, you know, in all honesty, like with the Evolution War, one of the biggest um, uh, influences in actually, I've got to tell you a story, and I've got to, I've got to do a show and tell. Just hold, I'll be right back. I want to show you something really cool. <laughs> be right back. There we go. Sorry for that. It makes great television, doesn't it? So this guy, this guy called um, Thomas Kent Miller wrote this book. And I don't know if you can read that. It says Mars and the Movies. And he featured one of my films in it because, you know, I've done a few movies and, you know, I got a page and a half in there, which I thought was really nice. But, you know, I'm, I'm a freak from Mars and, and War of the Worlds was a, was a really big influence for me. Um, when, like I read it at the age of six. That and the time machine. So that was my stuff. You know, that was my thing. So with the Evolution War, I, um, you know, I was reading this book and I thought, man, I need to go back to Mars. You know, I need to get back there. I've been to Mars a couple of times in my movies. And it's always a terraform Mars, of course, because, you know, it's just easier that way. Um, sure. So, you know, it's in the future. Um, but it, a massive influence was the War of the Worlds. And the fact that you know, I, re- I read the book and I was reading all these other movies that went to Mars, and I thought, man, I, I need to go back to the planet Mars. So part of the evolution war takes place on the planet Mars when it's been terraformed, a little bit warmer, and you can sort of breathe. And, yes, you see the atmospheric processes and stuff. Um, and, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of nods to War of the Worlds in, in, in the evolution war in different ways. Um, one thing I, when I was a child, you know, I was read the war of the worlds and it was about these giant tripod things walking around. And I was horrified to think that, you know, such a thing could exist. And, uh, you know, I was having all these fears of that as a child. So in this film, there are, I don't have giant tripods, but I, I wanted to, um, <laughs> but we have these gigantic creatures, you know, cause I was, I like dinosaurs as well, but I'm sure as hell not going to do another dinosaur movie because, I mean, there's enough of that, you know, and we don't need to see more dinosaurs. But I like big giant monsters and I like the fact that you look at something that's really big and imagine something that's really big and intelligent, you know, and I'm just trying not to give away the plot. But there's (laughs) – imagine giant creatures suddenly appearing on the earth, you know, and having to fight these things. Um, That's kind of what the evolution war is is heading in in the direction of. And as I cannot say too much – because we're about three months off um, being able to reveal too much, you know, anything. And there's a good reason for this, and I really apologize, but um, it's got to do with the marketing. It's got to do with uh, some of the financials and some of the, the people funding the film. So, you know, it, a lot of it will come into play, but that's that's sort of the influence b- behind it. So it's just this really big epic movie, you know, set on Earth, set on Mars, a little bit now to space. Um, oh, and okay, okay, I can give you some spoilers, some weird ones. <laughs> oh, uh, weird as well, sort of. You might like these ones. Yep. <laughs> we uh, part of the evolution war is is genuinely shot in outer space. Now, in 4K, real outer space footage. There's a uh-huh. real camera in space uh, filming stuff. You know, and I managed to get some of the footage. Um, it's from NASA, of course, but raw right, footage, sure. raw footage from NASA. And my God, you got to see it. Oh, I've never. Seen, I mean, you know, ECCG stuff. It's it's one thing, but when you see the real Earth and the real stars and the real this and that, it's something else, you know. And you just look at it right. and go, wow, this this is something. Um, so there's a lot of real elements in that. Plus, uh, still working on trying to get a, a GoPro on a weather balloon up into space so I can get some additional plates because it's oh, not enough. Cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. Then, then, then I can say it's shot in outer space, you know. Um, <laughs> but I also, again, I can't give you details, but this is another legal reason. But we got, you know, I managed to get into Syria and shoot a little bit of footage there. Now, you may ask why I went to Syria. Um, well, 
I needed some bombed out areas. And I'm not about trying to stamp, you know, glorify people's misery and, and war zones and stuff. But I used to be a news cameraman and I, you know, chatted to a couple of people and um, Finagla, they needed a favor and I needed to, to add some access to uh, some of the bombed out areas in Syria. So I managed to get a bit of, uh, I can't say how, but I managed to get somehow some footage of Syria uh, with one of my ca- one of my cameras. And, uh, you know, it, it just saves you having to build it in CG, basically. And it was... <laughs> didn't cost me very much to get it so um and that's all i could say but you know it's it's shot in a war zone in syria as well because we needed that you know we needed that sort of environment to sort of show you know the after effects of a of a of a of a, of a nuclear holocaust uh in the evolution war as well so you know these are the things i could tell you what it all means beyond that i can't tell you we've even got a couple of famous actors again which i can't mention right now because we haven't officially one of them we haven't shot with yet and one's not announced because if we announce it, then it gives away too many secrets. Um, so you know, I'm just really sorry I have to be so cryptic. But I can, no. as I said, I, I could throw well, you these ideas, you know. Yeah, actually, I got to say, you know, without revealing too much, you've, you've uh, said some pretty interesting and, and intriguing things. So uh, I think you're doing a good job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it, it is what it is. Hey, you want to see a prop from the film? Oh, yeah. Sure. Hang on, wait, wait, wait there. Hang on. <laughs> Oh. Okay, so um, hang on one second here. Oh, sorry, look at that. Um, so, th- so this uh, this is the rifle of doom. Now, uh, hang on, it's got lights on it and everything. Look at that red flashy thing. Um, it's a big gun. It's big and heavy. Um, That's really cool. It is cool, and it's got a character all of its own. Um, let's just say it's, do you guys ever read, uh, 2080 comics at all? Oh yeah. yeah. Do you ever remember a character called Rogue Trooper? Yes. Yes. I used okay. to love Rogue Trooper. <laughs> you remember how he had a gun that talked? Oh yes. Well, I'm not saying anything. I didn't rip it off, but I may have done that subconsciously. <laughs> I, I, was, I was doing this, I was doing this interview. I was doing this interview for a, for a, uh, a magazine. Um, no, sorry, not a magazine for a TV show in, in Los Angeles. And they asked, they, they asked me, I said, Hey, you know, rogue warrior, it's a bit like rogue trooper. And, and then, and you've also got this, this, and this. And I thought, Oh boy, you know, I, I read it as a child and I, I guess I got influence. And then it sort of come out in, in the film, you know, it came out a little bit in rogue warrior. And again, in evolution war, it's kind of, um, come out and I thought, well, you know, I know it's, I would say it's ripping off uh, rogue, rogue trooper, the, the comic, but it needs to be, you know, it seems to work for the story. And, you know, we all, we all get copy off somebody. We all get influence whether we want to or not. Now yeah, I watched, sure. I mean, look, I, I watched this, um, do, I was watching a documentary series called, series called the story of film. And it went into, um, uh, you know, all these filmmakers, all the great filmmakers of the seventies, and it just listed off everyone they ripped off. Now, when I say ripped off, we <laughs> pay homage to somebody, but they, they like, like Scorsese ripped off these French filmmakers, like, like blatantly. I mean, everyone rips everyone else off. And I mean, I mean, yeah, they change it, of course, but you know, this was based on that was, and, and like Star Wars is a complete rip of, you know, the, the, the hidden fortress. Um, mm-hmm. But that they're all ripping each other off, and I, I, I think to myself, you know, that I, I consciously I don't want to do that. I want to be original. I try and be as original as possible, and then I do something. It's like, 
like okay good example <clears throat> with rogue warrior which is out everywhere or you know at least in the u.s um we had like these um i had a speeder bike at the start you know this chick running flying across the desert oh thank yep. you so much oh it's so <laughs> nice you buy that <laughs> so we had my this- coffee's in the other room but <laughs> well sony's very happy thank you <laughs> <laughs> thank you sony can i have my check please um <laughs> Anyway, there's a speeder bike flying across the desert with a wrecked starship behind it. Mm-hmm. And then I go see Force Awakens. Or then I see the trailer for Force Awakens. I go, oh, man, that's the exact same shot and the exact same. <laughs> I mean, exactly. It's like, what the hell? So what do I do? You know, I cut out the speeder bike. She was going to be a speeder bike junkie at the start, you know. So I cut out the speeder bike at the start and made it a land speeder type thing because what do you do, you know? But Sometimes you just do stuff and it just looks like something else, um, you know, and I mean, I, I had the it's 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 a sad fact that just whatever you do has been done. Whatever right. you try and do has been done. Right, I mean, look, yeah. look at Pacific Rim. I mean, what is that a rip off of? You know, it's a rip off of Gigantor and Godzilla and I mean, a million Japanese things, you know, but it's great and it's wonderful. And, you, you know. Uh, the Shape of Water, you know, that's a complete ripoff, um, you Black know, the, uh, yeah, but beautifully done. Uh, so, you know, I, what do you do? You know, you, you, you try and be original, you end up copying somebody. Um, now, here's a really weird example. You know, we're talking about Star Wars before, you know, we started the show. Um, you know, I'm a big Star Wars fan. And because, you know, I was 10 years old, the first movie I went to see by myself. So it was, it was a good thing. Um, I, I met George Lucas in 1999 or 2000, I forget. I think it might have been 2000 at the Screen Producers Association in Australia. And he was scouting to sh- locations to shoot in Australia, you know, doing trying to do a deal and stuff. And he and Rick McCallum were chatting and, and uh, they, they heard about this director called Neil Johnson who did the world's first digital film, anamorphic widescreen shot digital cut on a computer, probably the first, you know, digital film ever made, which was me. And uh, he, they wanted to talk about it. And I thought this is weird because this guy's like, you know, he made the greatest movie ever made and he wants to talk to me. And I thought that was kind of cool. Gave him a copy of my first film and that was it. And, you know, they'd asked me a bunch of questions and away we went. Um, I'm watching the deleted scenes of Star Wars, the attack of attack of the clones. And there was a scene they cut out where Padme was talking to her family in the kitchen and like three lines of it were exactly the same. I say exactly. I say 80% exactly the same as my film, as the opening of my film. And I'm going, this this can't be right. How is this possible? I know they watched the first 10 minutes of my movie at least because it was like the scene was lifted directly from my movie <laughs> into Attack of the Clones. Now, I'm not saying he stole it or he ripped me off or anything. And I mean, it's cool. I think it's the greatest compliment anyone's ever paid me. But somehow I affected George Lucas to do a scene almost the same. And it wasn't a good scene. And it's a scene I ended up cutting out of my first film, you know, in later cuts. And it's a scene he cut out of his movie. But it's just weird how you just kind of influence people. Now, I was speaking to Ian McKaig, who did um, Darth Maul. He designed Darth Maul for, um, you know, Star Wars Episode One. Um, he's a you know, nice guy. And I said – Am I stupid or did, you know, did this really happen? I explained to him, look, you know, I watched Attack of the Clones. So the scene cut out, uh, they cut out of their movie. It's, it's a scene from my film, almost exactly. I said, is this, is this really happening? He said, yeah. He said, that's George, 100%. That's what he does. <laughs> <laughs> he just sees something, he likes it, and he'll rip it off. 
And it's just the way, the nature of the beast. So I, you know, I, we all try to be original, but we all consciously or subconsciously rip everyone off. And I mean, you know, I've affected somehow in a tiny, tiny way, I affected a little moment in Star Wars, which I thought was kind of cool. You know, I, I mean, I'm truly a nobody. I'm truly nothing. I swear to God. But, um, you know, I, I, it's just the fact that, you know, in, in a, in a, in a, in a universe, where you know the smallest thing can somehow affect you up up the chain. I, I've affected somebody. I mean, that's you know that's a cool thing. So with my films, I try to be original. With Rogue Warrior, I try to be completely original. And then everyone said, "Oh, it's a bit like this. It's a bit like that. It's a real '80s film." It's like I never thought of that until everyone else said, "Yeah, it's like the old classic '80s movies." Um, what did you guys think of Rogue Warrior? I guess have you both seen it? Um, oh yeah, I I haven't had a chance to sit down and watch it yet. Uh, but oh, it is, you're, you're in for it. You're in for a treat, sir. I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it it's on my it's on my docket for Friday at work. Well, I got Excellent. plenty of downtime. It's just it's been crazy at work and prior to. I, I can I promise you. This, I can promise you the second viewing will 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 open it open your brain up a bit because the first viewing is a bit wow. What did I just watch? You know. Yeah, uh, yeah unless, yeah, unless you're you really take in- it all in, but. <laughs> I mean, I, I'll admit this is this is going to be um, my introduction to your work. But just hearing what we've talked about already and seeing some of the stills from some of your other movies, I got to get more. Yeah, <laughs> and that's the the sci-fi junkie in me going. Okay, I have now found that person who does what I'm looking for and what I'm craving for sci-fi. Uh, not to say there isn't good sci-fi out there from the from the non-independent market. It's mm. it's just I think it comes. It's almost like minor league sports. There's more heart. There, there's more heart. There's more um, devotion to the craft at that level because you, you are wanting to tell what you well it's like the, the wwe versus the ecw you know yeah that's a good um, way to look at it yeah i actually i would go modern day i would say nxt over wwe right <laughs> now it's everyone's still wanting to get to the game even though even though you're you're still part of the game it's you want to get to, to that top tier so there's more heart hustle and desire for it mm. so a lot of times i think there's better product because of it uh that's why i love the independent so much is the independents are you're in the game you might not have the the financial backing to get pushed out into the to the mainstream eyes mm. but i mean y'all the independent filmmakers film is sometimes just 10 times better than than other films out there there is a big problem i i, I get what you're saying um there is a downside to it you know I, i'm working on very small budgets and the, the budgets look big you know to some people um but when you've got, I mean, okay, look at Last Jedi. Uh, here's my show and tell. Um, look at this Last Jedi movie. I mean, just to get that poster made is probably more than my whole budget. Yeah. You know, and I yeah, mean, that's great. Marketing. They're, yeah, I mean, their catering budget probably probably would you know buy <laughs> <laughs> buy me yeah. five. Movies. But but the the point is, I mean, I, I'm going to say. When you start breaking that movie down and examine frame by frame that film, you're going to see the most amazing pieces of art all the way through and these hidden gems. It's it's whatever you want to say about the story and what they did with Luke. Um, it's a, it's a visually an incredible work of art. Um, you know, the, just the, the, the visual look of it. And oh yeah, you know, yeah. I I, I guarantee ten seconds of that movie again is more than my whole whole movie costs. Well, maybe yeah, it's probably about right. But but um, 
when you when you have a big budget, you can afford you can be artistic and do some great stuff. It is so hard to do it when you have no money. Um, you know, to the point where you're having to just find a way to do it. And right. it's fun. It's a lot of fun, but it's also disappointing when you have got a vision for some great work of art. Uh, and I, I guarantee I could, one thing I'll say, the visuals in Rogue Warrior are probably my best visually, my, you know, my best visuals in any film artistically. There is a lot of art in that film, but it was at a very, very, you know, basic level. And it's like, man, if I had some, if I had a budget, I could do a lot. So, you know, I, I, I had to invest in character and story and I guarantee, you know, you get a heart three quarters of the way through rogue warrior, which, you know, you, you'll probably see it. You'll suddenly realize, Oh wow, something's going on here. This is not a normal movie. This is not going in a normal direction. It's not what I expected. And that's how kind of how I've approached the, uh, the evolution war. Um, it's, um, it's worth it's worth your while. It's worth the investment to get to the end of the story. Uh, if you know, if if you find, I, I actually wanted to get very Star Wars with Evolution War, and I had a crack at doing a couple of um, Star Wars type scenes in there. You know, showdown scenes where the characters, you know, head off head off, head off each other with that grand talk. And you know what? It didn't work. I ended up saying, well, it doesn't work because I don't have the time and the. Uh, the ability to do it. So I cut to the chase and I did something completely different and it worked well because we had a low budget and I started doing some you know interesting stuff. But when you don't have the money to do things, you find clever ways to do things and new ways. Right. So you see, you'll see rogue warrior and you'll see that there's, you know, I think it's worth your while because you know, we, we, we took some interesting risks in different directions that you couldn't do on a big film. Um, yeah, I, I did see rogue warrior. I watched it uh, and I enjoyed it. I had fun with it. And uh, we, and, um, on my Keepers of the Fringe podcast, we focus on movies like that and, and lower budget films and stuff like that. So I put it in my uh, recommendation section on the podcast. So I recommended it because uh, I did. I had fun with it. I enjoyed it. Yeah. I know. I think it is meant to be fun, but I guarantee if you invest your time into this film, into Evolution War, oh, Rogue Warrior, sorry, and the Evolution War, can't say too much just yet. Um, it's worth it's worth your while for the future. You know, it's like um, it's like you've you know you invest. It's like the Hunger Games. You you watch one movie, you got to watch all of them. Or Harry Potter. Oh yeah. You, gotta, you know, you've and and Harry Potter got better and better as they went through. You know, and I think that's. Um, that's kind of what I'm trying to give the audience. It's like, this is not a throwaway movie. This is not a, a beer coaster. You know, that there'll be mm. the story. This story will resonate in years to come for certain reasons. And you'll find out why in years to come. <laughs> so, um, you know, it's, 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 I know it's weird, but I'm, I'm just running off. And so I thought hell with everything. Um, I can't just do a you know, popcorn movie. I can't, I, I can't invest my life in just doing, you know, a piece of cardboard or a, another Transformers movie or something else or a copy yeah, of, yeah. you know, great films, but I can't do that. I, I'm investing in character and story and the future. And, you know, there is a grand plan for everything. I'm so sorry I can't talk more about it just yet. Oh, no, it's perfectly fine. I'm looking um, forward to seeing Evolution War. Yeah, I think yeah. you will. I, you'll get what I'm saying when it comes out. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but it's 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 you know it's just done out of love. It's because I really give a damn about um, story and characters and science fiction and taking it somewhere. You know, I, I I just have a love for that, and I have a love for great actors. You know, and I have to keep re reusing Tracy Birds all the time because 
you know, she she nailed it. When you when you see her in in Rogue Warrior, um, and you see her being emotional, I guarantee I'm going to tell you one thing: there was real emotion behind it. It wasn't just oh, turn it on. Oh, here I am acting. Oh, ha, ha. oh, where's my tea? You know, mm-hmm. she was like she was suffering for days and days after some of the scenes, weeks. She was traumatized because of what I put her through because I didn't want her to just act. I wanted her to live it. I wanted her to be those things. And so when you see her with tears, she's feeling it. Uh, when you see her out in the desert, you know, nearly passing out, she was nearly passing out. Um, when you see the camera, you know, in, in, in uh, literally rise up and you see she's in the middle of the desert, she is in the middle of the desert. And she was put out in the middle of the desert and left there and said, walk. So, you know, just, just bear that in mind that it, it was the height of summer a lot of the wow. time. We shot, you know, so, you know, you know how hot it gets. Um, so it was, it was, it was done, done for real. Uh, when she falls off the speeder bike, she, she still has the injury. I hate to say she's still getting over that. In, one of the injuries, um, you know, I think, I think she pointed out a couple to us. No, I'm yeah. not surprised. <laughs> I'm not surprised. Um, and the same with evolution war, you know, if you see her on top of a, uh, 10,000 foot snow peak, because she's on the 10,000 snow peak, we see her on top of this tower in, in another mountain because she's on a tower in the mountain you know it's, um uh, you know there was a point where i okay and a good, good another good example in the evolution war uh she's fighting these giant creatures uh with her big giant kick-ass gun actually it was i think it was a rifle of doom she had that she was running out she was chasing after these creatures and launching mini nukes and and all sorts of stuff and blowing up creatures and stuff and and uh you know, I want to tell you how she got out of the scene. It's good fun. But she was doing all this stuff. And that's right. And then she's, it, it got so hot. She said, that's it. I'm, I'm done. She nearly, I had to carry her back to the truck and turn the air conditioner <laughs> on and say, okay, sit here for an hour. It took her three hours to recover from that scene, you know, from being from heat exhaustion. And, you know, you'll see that in the evolution war. So, you know, if you see a woman running around with a big gun or a big, you know, staff, electro sword or something, uh, and, you know, it looks hot and it looks dry and desolate, it really is. It really is that hard. I mean, she she was on the point of passing out so many times, but she wants to do it. it another good example. Um, we're out in the desert uh, a couple of days ago, uh, you know, the, the El Mirage place. And we, we, we did have to do a scene where she had to leap up in the air. So we had a, had a, a trampoline bouncy thing for her to bounce off. Um, so that she could leap up the air and come down hard on somebody. And uh, the actor she's working opposite is a very, very strong, muscular, wonderful, very, you know, slightly famous actor. He was like, he kept saying, Are you sure you want to do that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and she wanted she wants to do her own stunts, and he was horrified that she was like doing all this. I said, "Can we do another take?" I don't think she wants to do another take. I said, "Tracy, do you want to do another take?" Yes, I want to do three more. <laughs> um, you know, she's 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 just pushing herself to the point of ridiculous, and um, uh, you know, you so you'll see that scene in Evolution War where she leaps up near the end of the movie. She'll leap up and pound somebody over the head. Now she had a, she'd been bitten by a dog and her foot was swollen like this and strapped up. So as oh, wow. she comes down hard on the ground on the desert floor, you know it, she's feeling pain. 
Oh, wow. uh, <laughs> you know, that's the sort of stuff that goes on, you know? That's a low-budget independent film. You have a big budget, you have a bunch of people, and nobody gets hurt. We all have our trailers, and we... You know, we, we sit there and drink our tea and say, isn't it lovely? <laughs> um, <laughs> not in these films. This is, this, is, this is war. You know, we are in wars. We did go to a war zone. Uh, we are fighting, you know, a battle with these movies. We are doing, you know, illegal things. We are doing things that would probably most directors would probably, you know, give up on. Uh, most actors would definitely walk out on the set, walk away from me, you know, uh, because they wouldn't want to do it. You know, it's 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 uh, you know, it's the extreme wrestling of independent science fiction film. <laughs> now, that's a really interesting way to put it. Yeah, there's a lot of barbed wire in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> now, I I know for me, one of the things um, when reading up on you beforehand, uh, the film Alien Armageddon mm-hmm. that was not the original name. No. Oh, that's a good other funny story. There's two little lawsuits in that one. Okay. So Alien Armageddon was a movie I did in 2010. Well, let me preface this. Okay. So I did a movie called Humanity's End, which one of my most beloved movies is basically a, uh, a hand solo, a lazy hand solo movie. Let's just say, um, you know, it's, it was a hand, it was the, uh, the solo of the hand solo movie of 2006 before that was a thing. And, it involved the last man on the in the universe being hunted down to extinction by a race of creatures known as the Nephilim. So I did that film. It cost me a, a, an ass ton of money, and it took me a while to get that money back. I got the money back, yes. You know, I finally got it. It cost me a lot. It's my first big Hollywood movie, and we had big sets and everything. So I was completely broke, and my sales agent said, you need to do another movie to make some money because it's going to be a while before we get the Humanity's End money. So I said, okay, um, I, let, I can't really afford to do a sequel to Humanity's End. I might do a prequel, um, you know, and it'd be about the, the Nephilim invading the Earth, uh, you know, in modern times, kind of like an a- Aliens Invading Los Angeles movie. So I thought, what are we going to call it? Okay, we'll call it Battle, Battleground, uh, Battleground Los Angeles or Battle L.A., something like that but anyway that same week uh battleground los angeles came out you know it was announced it was the exact same movie with the exact yeah. same title and i go what the hell you know i had the i had the title first i thought so i i just had to rename it alien armageddon because you know whatever um and that's what we did and then i did this one i had this cowboy character in it you know who was basically a badass fighting the uh fighting the aliens and stuff you know came out of prison decides to fight aliens and there was a really nice shot of him, you know, with a with a gun and everything. And we did the poster art, and Cowboys versus Aliens comes out. Oh, no. <laughs> and it has this, one of the teaser posters had the same pose. I was like, did they rip me off? <laughs> now, anyway, so the company that put that out saw my artwork and came after me and said, we might, we, you know, because I, I, I knew one of the guy, I knew one of the producers on it or co-producers or one of the writers i forget i knew somebody involved said they're going to come after you because you ripped off their design you got a cowboy character you got aliens um we're going to come you know they're probably going to come after you and i said well funny you should say that because look when this uh, my artwork was released six months before yours and i made it public and it was at the khan film you know the khan film market and everything so and then they kind of said oh nope sorry we won't say anything it's okay you can keep the artwork (laughs) yeah you know but that's that's what happens you know it's just it's just it's just coincidence. All it is is coincidence. I guarantee they didn't see my art and said, let's steal it. Um, yeah, I guarantee the people who said, let's do Battleground Los Angeles 
oh, Neil Johnson's doing it. Let's steal his idea and, and do the same movie. No, it's just coincidence. And that's what happens in this world, you know, with these things. You just try and do as best you can. You find somebody else is doing the same thing. And um, Force Awakens comes out and you have to change Rogue Warrior, <laughs> you know. Rogue well, Warrior gets named Rogue Warrior and then they, they announce Rogue One. <laughs> <laughs> what do you do? Yeah, I guess yeah. that's part of the game sometimes. <laughs> it is, and you just got to try not to get sued, you know. <laughs> well, that's, that's kind of uh, good advice for life in general, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of litigious people in Los Angeles. They all think, oh, let's sue everybody. It's like, come on. Yeah. I'm dodging a bullet every week, let me tell you. <laughs> I, there's a lot of people I could sue, Let me. That, that's for sure. But I, I that's not my thing. So since we're talking Rogue One, or Rogue Warrior, Rogue One, you, you, you had to say Rogue One. And, uh, <laughs> um, what was one of your, your favorite uh, sequences to shoot or favorite moments on the on the film? Uh, on Rogue Warrior. Hmm. Since we can't talk about Evolution War yet. Yeah, I can talk about things on that. Um, Oh, by the way, just just, sorry, on a side side note, Rogue Warrior was originally called uh, Robot Armageddon. And then Spielberg announced he was doing Robot Armageddon. (laughs) And so I changed the name. And then he said, I'm not doing Robot Armageddon. So I I called my Rogue Warrior and then I called Robot Fighter. And then, oh, you might get sued by Robot Fighter people, the Magnus Robot Fighter people. So I changed it to Rogue Warrior. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Then Rogue One. Anyway, okay, so on Rogue Warrior, my favorite scene. Oh, sequence. Oh, God, damn. I've got to think about that for a second. Um, there's a lot in that movie that I, I kind of like, I have to say, and I, you know, um, uh, you know, I, I, I think I like the scenes with Sienna and Hoagland. Now, if you haven't seen the movie, Hoagland is this spherical robot. He's a floating, he's called a memory sphere, but he's a floating robot. Uh, a little bit back to the, the, the black hole thing. Um, a little bit like, yeah, old, kind old, of, yeah. A little bit like old Bob from, you know, from uh, like a British floating robot. Um, okay. But basically, floating robot. And Sienna is acting opposite a piece of plastic, basically, or a piece <laughs> of plaster. And she, you know, Tracy's just acting opposite basically nothing. And she just brings it to life. And I, it's kind of like the Mark Hamill acting opposite Yoda. You know, you, you, he's, he's talking to a piece of rubber. <laughs> and you can't even hear what the guy's saying. And we have the same thing with, with, with Tracy Bertzel. She's speaking – she has a relationship with this robot, this floating robot, and it steals the movie. Yeah. It steals the film in places, you know, and that's what I like. You know, she she pours out her heart and soul to, to this this inanimate object. And, I mean, I – um, you know, I like that, and I, I, I'm particularly proud of the scene with William Kircher and Tracy Birdsell at the end of the film, the acting in that. Um, they just – William Kircher is the – I don't know if you know him, uh, if you've seen The Hobbit – yeah. He was Biff. The, he was Biff of the dwarf, um, and you know one of the one of the twelve dwarves. Uh, he's quite tall, but um, he, he's, he's going lovely. He's going to be on the show next week. Oh, good. Oh, lovely. Oh, yeah. uh, lovely guy. Uh, I'll actually might be seeing him soon. Can't say why. Um, <laughs> but he's uh, he's he has a scene with Tracy Birdsall, and you know it's just whenever they're on camera together they just fire off each other they have this energy these sparks fly and it's like my god so i think to myself hmm um what what if i had him in another movie with tracy wonder how that would go um and then my sales agent says you know that guy from the hobbit you had in rogue warrior put him in another movie everyone loves him (laughs) 
<laughs> so he's in the he's in the time war as well and and again they're on camera together Whew, it sparks fly you know uh, in the time war so i think it's it's seen the people it's seen the characters interact that's what i love the most uh i do like the land you know the the speeder bike stuff across the planet i it's fun um I, you know i love it when she's just blowing shit up you know oh sorry i didn't mean to swear i'm so sorry <laughs> it's all right believe it <laughs> I didn't say that. Hey, I just love. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I know iTunes can be a bit of a stickler about the explicit label, yeah. which I mean I could throw that on here, you know, for this episode. But I mean, if that's allowed on terrestrial radio now, yeah. I don't see why it, it has to be. Yeah, you you can hear it in McDonald's. Uh, if any children are listening, Lena, it's it's listen to your parents. You know, uh, find creative words to use if you have to say, you know, ex, you know, express yourself. Don't 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 drop the uh, the f bomb or the s bomb. It's it's. I, I think one of my my favorite creatives was from uh, Perfect Strangers, Balky and Sheep Dip. <laughs> Sheep Dip. Yes. <laughs> that does roll off the tongue well. Sheep Dip. <laughs> Sheep Dip. Yeah, I could say that a few times. Yeah, and and it, yeah, it does sound like a cuss word doesn't it it kind of does yeah it's gonna be one of the next popular words in the next neil johnson movie sheep dip <laughs> yeah I, I i do like inventing words i have invented a lot of cuss words in movies you know that's the other thing there's a lot of nice one-liners uh i, I mean i've got a, if you ask me what my favorite line is from uh, rogue warrior uh it's when sienna says i'm all out of party favors um now do you know? Do you remember that line? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, okay. So, so there's a scene in Rogue Warrior where we, we where Sienna is fly, fighting these little floating robot things, and she head headbutts one of them, and <laughs> uh, you know it's kind of cool. That was 134 degrees when we shot. Wow. I swear to God, it was so bad. What we'd do? We'd, we had the red camera, and I love red because they don't overheat like they they used to. We went out into the into, – we, we were in the truck, had the air conditioning running, ran out, did a shot. You know, she did one shot. We did one scene – oh, sorry, one angle. We got back in the truck and waited five minutes. Went back out, did a shot. Went back. <laughs> I mean, it took like three hours to do, you know, what would have taken an hour or, you know. But we got it done. But it was that ridiculously hot. It literally was 134. So when you watch Rogue Warrior, yeah. uh, you'll see the scene when she's in the desert. And these little robots come up and say, you know, uh, to her, like three or four of them, and she headbutts one, 134 degrees. That was bad. Uh, it was uh, – I'm, so, I'm, I'm so glad Evolution War is almost done shooting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to go back and watch Rogue Warrior knowing all of this stuff now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it's 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 a treat, let me tell you. <laughs> Um, there's a lot in there, you know, there's a, there's an ass ton of, of stuff in there. Um, but you know, as I said, that, that's, that's the little secrets behind it. You will, you will pick up a lot more stuff in the second viewing. And mm. I can't say it's one point in the future, there will be a new version of that film come out with extra scenes or other things. Um, you know, I can't, again, it's all tied in together. I can't say too much else. <laughs> there's a lot more content on its way very soon let's let's nice. let's hope it let's hope it hits netflix or hulu or something you know hey, i think we even talked about we would love to see uh evolution war no not evolution time war i think we said we would love to see that on the sci-fi channel yeah i i could i could you know actually i think the thing it's closest to is uh on amazon the the man in the high castle now oh, yeah. it's it's i gotta say it's more story than that it's more more stuff happens and it's less oh, talky you know not talking it's less um 
there's more progression in the story, let's just say, more definitive progression quicker than The Man in the High Castle. Um, but it's got a similar texture to that. So I would think, I was hoping we could sell it to Netflix one day uh, because they need a, a Nazi time travel, a Nazi alternative reality series to take on Amazon. You know, that would be, um, that, that it's, it's, got, it's got a texture. It is, it's kind of like, it's, it's kind of a bit like Game of Thrones in some ways. Uh, it's a bit like, you know, it's, it's, it's got a classic feel to it. It's, it's, I'm doing everything I can to avoid the camp, let's just say. Cause you know, when you're talking yep. Hitler, robots, time travel, um, Jesus Christ or whatever, you know, um, you, you could go down the Sharknado path as they are about to do, or you could go down a completely different sto- uh, path and, and do something more classic. It's more like Lord of the Rings with Nazis and time travel. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Sort of. Now, outside of your own work, what are some? Who are some of your favorite uh, independent film writers or directors out there that you enjoy watching? Well, I always liked George Lucas because he was always independent. <laughs> He's a true yeah. independent. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Even though he, you know, some people said, yeah, he became like you know, he became the Empire. Um, he was Luke Skywalker in the beginning, and he became like the 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 old the you know the Emperor in the end. But he didn't. He wasn't. <laughs> He's really nice guy. I'm going to say a terrific guy, and he was truly, truly. Um, you know, people are starting to realize now how good the the prequels were. They actually have something to them, you know. I, I, yeah. I, yeah. I love episode three especially. Um, I just, I just watch that over and over because of the acting, because of the, the great moments, you know. The, I'll pick your brain on this one. Uh, mm-hmm. I enjoyed episode three, but for me, the the apartment scenes between Padme and Anakin, mm-hmm. I felt if they reduced those in half. And it could have yeah. made the film a little stronger. I, I felt there was just almost too much love story there. Well, you, you got to see now. It's, it's funny. I've 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 had a discussion with somebody about this before, um, and I'm not not I can't be a prequel apologist because you know I would not have made like you know if I made these films over computer. Wait till hear what I would have done with the Last Jedi, but that's another story. Um, <laughs> look at what you got to do is look at George Lucas and look at who he was yeah. at the time of making the film and what was going on in the world. Now with he was bringing up his kids. So his kids were eight or seven or eight or nine or 10 years old. And he was basically being the father and the mother figure in the house, you know, mm-hmm. amazingly, a truly amazing guy. And then he had to make star Wars episode one, you know? So imagine that there was his world. His world was, was really, you know, kiddie stuff. Uh, as we all get a little crazy when you have, you know, have a daughter, right? You know, when you're bringing up a child, you, you get, you tend to go in different directions. You can't help but be affected by the world around you. So, you know, here's a guy who doesn't have a, a relationship with a female. It's just being the single dad, bringing up three children, and he makes episode one. And that's kind of why episode one turned out the way it did. You know, it, it's when you understand who he was at the time, you understand episode one more. Episode two comes along, and it's like Titanic had just hit really big. And everyone thinks, wow, the world wants epic romance movies, you know, and, and what a great right. thing. And he probably was affected by it. Yes, he definitely was affected by the Titanic. So it's like, but unfortunately, the man had no basis for um, emotional man-woman relationships because he'd been detached from that for so long. So that's why, you know, his his um, his attempt at romance in episode two was uh, was what it was, because, you know, he he had no basis for for understanding of that. I think it didn't bother me in episode two. 
Right. I, but three did. Three, I I thought there was almost, he he, he pushed it too far. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, if, if, he, if, if he kept it to the same type of ratio that he had the, re, the relationship with in um, an attack of the clones, mm-hmm. where it's still a driving force in Anakin's life. Um, and see, I thought that ratio was just right in attack of the clones. If he had done the same type of thing with Revenge of the Sith, mm-hmm. I think it would have been okay. But I, I think I thought, yeah, I thought there was qu- quite a few scenes at the apartment where it, it was just filler. It, it really wasn't, wasn't progressing or anything. Yeah, it wasn't progressing the story much. Oh, he's having another nightmare again. Well, well we know he he he's yeah. The nightmares drive him. The nightmares are are a nuisance to him. Um, I mean, we we knew that from from Attack of the Clones. Mm-hmm. So to highlight that, you know, once maybe twice, but yeah, you know, to continuously highlight it and to yeah. I mean, I get your point. Let's. I mean, I'll I'll I'll, I'll tell you what I think went went wrong. Well, not went wrong, but. He, he did episode one shot on film with a lot of new digital technology. Episode two comes out and it was way more, oh, wow, we're going to do this movie. We've seen Neil Johnson's movie. We're going to do better, of course, but we're going to do, not really, um, but we're going to do a digital, we're going to do an all digital film. And this is a first, you know, for a major motion picture to do it. And you have to, you know, it has to be all digital. And by the way, and I'm just going to digress. I saw it projected on film and I saw Attack the Clones digitally. Digital was way better. Just something yeah. about it. I don't know. Know what it was um but uh, now uh, yeah the, the, i thought the romance scenes and a lot of that were a bit weird but i did like I, i'll tell you the one that worked really well for me was at the end of attack the clones when they're doing the marriage thing the wedding thing now yeah guess what yep. they were in italy in that real location um doing a beautiful scene and it just was beautifully beautifully shot and beautifully sold and it was wonderful it, it was right. right you know it was a secret private beautiful wedding and it was a nice romantic thing so I thought that was good, but it's because he was on location. Now, you get to episode three, and he says, okay, we've just done a digital movie, and the digital explosion is happening. I'm going to force everybody to, sh- to have digital projection. That's why we have digital projection, because of episode three, right. um, believe right, it or not. Yeah. But I'm going to do it all. I, I'm going to fly to Australia again, be around people who are really not my culture, but, you know, they'll just be yes men, and that's fine. You know, he had nobody saying, no, you shouldn't do this. It's just everyone said, yes, sir, no, sir, three bags full. And he shot it all on blue screen and green screen, the entire thing. Mm. Now, at the time, that was groundbreaking. I mean, that movie did barely. I don't know if it, I don't think Revenge of the Sith ever went on location. I'm trying to think now. Did it ever go on location? I, I can't know. think of one. I can't think of one scene in that movie that was on a real location. It was all green screen. Yeah, all of it. Yes, they use miniatures, but it was all green screen. So think about that. It's all on a studio. So that's groundbreaking. Um, and that's probably why those scenes don't play well. Now I'm going to tell you why I think this. 2012 comes along. Neil Johnson decides to do a movie all green screen in 4K on a better camera they shot than than they had with uh, you know episode one, two, and three. Um, I shot everything green screen on a lo- on a stage. Why? Because I was flat broke, but I wanted to try, and I'm going to do an entire green screen movie and make the most visually epic story and great. <laughs> it was going to be part one and two, Starship Rising, Starship Apocalypse. You know, they turned out okay. But let me tell you my mistake. I should have gone on location. The actors, I had so many actors in there. It was so hard for the actors to play uh, the scenes credibly and realistically on, on, green, on green screen. It killed... It killed the characterization.
Station, it made everything suddenly look like those funky scenes in Revenge of the Sith right. because it was all green screen. And I made that same mistake. Um, and I try, you know, I wanted to have it so epic and big and it's going to look like the biggest movie. This is the ultimate Neil Johnson movie. In the end, it wasn't because I, I messed up and I shot on green screen. And when I should have taken it on location, I couldn't afford it. But, you know, um, I, I was way too long in post-production as well. So it was one of those lessons. And I think that was a lesson for George Lucas. Now, I guarantee if he'd done episode seven himself, he probably would have not done it all green screen. He probably would have gone all location again. He said, to hell with it. And that was what I learned from my mistake after Starship is I was able to make another movie and do Rogue Warrior. And that the reason why Rogue Warrior is so good compared to my previous film is that I shot on a real location. And Evolution right. War is even more on real locations. Yeah. So you know, us, us digital filmmakers have learned lessons. We've learned valuable lessons by making mistakes. And, you know, George, he was an experimenter. When you experiment, you try this, you try that, you make mistakes, but he had permission to make the mistake. And that's why some of those scenes may not work for you. And that's why, you know, even, you know, the, some of the effects look a little hokey. It's because he, he, he said, I'm going to be brazen and try it, you know. Right. And that's, the, you know, that's why, I, you know, who do I admire? He would always be number one because he had the balls to do it. And he, he took $100 million of his own money. And made those, you know, and made a right. well, three, he, half a half a billion dollars of his own cash, and made those movies, you know, in total. I I, I think one of my favorite memes with George Lucas is George Lucas re- returning the Jedi, and you see all these models and everything else, and then George Lucas <laughs> Revenge of the Sith, and it's all green screen, mm-hmm. and maybe mm-hmm. one or two ships. Well. Yeah, I gotta say that. But we're every, also we're also talking yeah. what fifteen years, twenty years between the films, eighty three to two thousand five, two thousand. Yeah, he would have. Well, there was an ass ton of physical models still in episode one, two, and three, more than you could possibly imagine. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And that that's what people keep forgetting. It's just that it looked, you know. Yeah, you're right. Um, but at the time when those movies were made, you know, Attack of the Clones. What do we know? Oh, science fiction is dead. Uh, we don't want the little boy anymore. We want romance from adults because Titanic was so big. So let's do, let's give the world the, the Titanic in space that we all want with Boba Fett. I mean, come on, that's amazing. You know, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> with, with the gladiator scenes. I mean, you know, he had the balls to do it. Let's throw Christopher Lee in for good measure. Um, you know, and then what do I, and revenge of the Sith? Well, what do we do? We got Christopher Lee. We got that the scene when he crashes a ship on Coruscant, you know, um, everything, every time the, the emperor, is on camera wow <laughs> you know? yeah. Yeah. yeah it's it's i just go oh my god <laughs> <laughs> you know this the scene in the in the in the um in the in the, the mon calamari opera scene you know yeah um, oh yeah you know so you know but the other person i aspire to love is stanley kubrick on the complete opposite Mm. And, you know, I mean, I have the same birthday as him, but he's my he's probably my biggest influence on Evolution War in the way I do things. Okay. Uh, it's so much rip, ripped off the Stanley Kubrick movies. Uh, Time War is a rip on a lot of Stanley Kubrick stuff, um, like Barry Lyndon. Uh, Eyes Wide Shut as well. You know, Eyes Wide Shut, everyone said, oh, it's his worst movie. It's not. It's incredible. Yeah, but you- it's, it's a great movie. I, th- I think a lot of people who, who don't know Kubrick and his work, because that was the last film he did. I mean, he, yeah, he died while he, doing yeah. that film. He, he And that's horrible. It's horrifically sad. He died... Went with a rough cut. Yeah. And you 
No, he's a master of the stuff. God knows what he would have done to make it even better. But yeah, I mean, yeah. but you you could you someone who's a you know, your your Kubrick fans, Kubrick purists, you watch Eyes Wide Shut and go, Okay, this is still Kubrick. This is still Kubrick. Oops. No, this is where he had passed and it's the other people trying to be Kubrick. Mm-hmm. And later in the film, oh, we're back to Kubrick again. Yeah. But I still I still like I still rather have Nobody's gone. I'd rather it's eighty percent. It's still better than yeah. No it's still better than nothing. Yeah, and, and I think that's what made AI so so intriguing is that was Kubrick's script. Yeah, and and, and Spielberg, while he he's not Kubrick, he got real close. To, mm-hmm. to giving it a a of almost fooling you that okay Kubrick did shoot this just didn't get around to it before he passed yeah and, yeah and, no. that, and that's what I loved about that's one of the things I, I love about Spielberg is he's able to adapt to who you know Kubrick he was able to adapt to that when he was exactly. doing Indiana Jones yeah you know, the Indiana Jones series he was able to adapt to to George but then again Stephen and George were were friends in college so yeah. Yeah. I mean to to know them, but some of the other stuff. It's um, I want I want to say with Schindler's List mm-hmm. that came out after AI. I could be wrong. Yeah, maybe, around the same time. Not, yeah, around the same time period. But there, there was definitely some Kubrick Kubrick esque moments and feels to to that as well. I would, yeah, I, I mean, I would have thought that was closer to a Kubrick movie, you know, than anything. Um, and Kubrick was going to do a movie, was going to do a Holocaust movie at one point, you know. Yeah, which is interesting. <laughs> yeah, that would be that would have been a heck of a film. Oh, that would have been interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine that? And he somehow Kubrick managed to make uh, parts of a piece of London look like like Vietnam. I thought that was the most weirdest yeah. thing I've ever seen <laughs> in, in in Full Metal Jacket. You know, that's just. You know, he's just he's just he just well, polishes everything. It's so interesting. And, and Kubrick to take probably one of the weaker Stephen King stories with The Shining and oh my, turn it into something that's become a cinema a cinematic legacy. Yes. And of course, the The Shining since then and the remakes haven't been as as good. And it was something about Kubrick that really popped and made how, that story pop. Well, he had the time and to the, the ability to develop it. He knew what to set himself up. And the thing I like about Kubrick, he has a small crew. Yeah. But he knew how to set it up in a way that he could just run with it. And he held up The Empire Strikes Back and a James Bond movie and something else because he hadn't finished shooting The Shining. Yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's like, yeah, whatever. I just, I'm still going. I want another twenty days on the set, you know, you know, to hell with everything. But I, that's that's why I aspire to it. You know, he punishes his actors, he pushes actors. I mean, you watch the behind the scenes in The Shining, and watch how you know Shelley Long he he gets her yeah. jacked up, frustrated, and I mean, um, I love that. You know, I found that I thought, well, you know, it gave me permission to to push a little harder because if he can do it, I should too. Well, I I don't think. I don't think we've gotten to this question, but who were some of your inspirations that that led you into uh, filmmaking? Uh, hmm. Well, it's H.G. Wells initially, as I said, um, because the story, the story, you know, he painted a picture and I was obsessed with the images that he he wrote about. Um, And so uh, let's see. And Jeff Wayne did a musical version of War of the Worlds where they had these beautiful paintings of the War of the Worlds. Yeah. Came out in 76 album. I know it's bizarre, but it's wonderful. 
<laughs> my first album. But there's these beautiful paintings of World of Worlds and these tripods and stuff. And I mean, it's incredible. And that yeah. was a big influence for me because I wanted to create that in the movie. And, and, still and, and his stuff is very similar to, to the solo albums Rick Wakeman was doing as well. Exactly. Well, I, I, I only knew that one. That's all I knew was just just Jeff Wayne, um, you know, and then and then I heard Richard Burton's voice. Yeah. And his voice was so crisp and real. And, and uh, you know, so that's like gave me a love of, of great voices. And, uh, you know, later I get to work with Christopher Lee, who has another great voice. Yeah. And I mean, it's like mm. melts when you hear it. When he speaks, he booms. So I um, I, I, I guess I, I, I was that. Then I was influenced by just about everything. You know, Lost in Space was, was an influence in a weird way. Um, uh, you know, Star Trek a little bit. Doctor Who was a big influence. Um, it comes out a lot of my movies. Uh, and then, of course, Star Wars. And then, of course, James Cameron and Aliens and Terminator and that sort of stuff. But I allow myself to be, be you know, but Stanley Kubrick was always it for me. Uh, and Mad Max, uh, the, the Mad Max movie, Road Warrior, um, uh, George Miller is another guy, you know, who did, who did Mad Max beyond um, – the new one, um, not Beyond Thunderdome, <laughs> uh, Fury Road. Fury, Fury Road, Road. Yeah. yeah. That uh, yeah. thing is, my God, that's an amazing piece of art. Oh, yeah. Never Definitely. in black and white. Never in black and white, though. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I didn't go for the black and white one. <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> with, with this question, there is no wrong answer. It, it's definitely opinion. <laughs> but you mentioned Doctor Who. Who's your favorite doctor? Hmm. Uh I got a couple, you know. Uh, I, you know, John, couple works. John, well, no, John Pertwee was the first one I was encountered. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I always had a thing for him because he was always about karate chops, and <laughs> yeah. very weird yeah. clothes. But um, oh, yeah. so, you know, that's that's one of my earliest memories of seeing John Pertwee. So I have a soft spot. But I think I'm a David Tennant fan. You know, I'll be honest. Me too. I, yeah. He's just nice. You know, he looks like something yeah. you want to have a friend. You know. Yeah. Um, I like all of them. I like Matt Smith as well. You know. Um, but I, David Tennant and Matt Smith very similar for me. You know. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I just like David Tennant. He just looked like you know. Just there's a bit of bit of Hoagland when you see Rogue Warrior. Uh, David Tennant and Hoagland have a very similar voice, and that was on. I purpose. can see that. Yeah, I can see <laughs> it. I mean, I, I haven't seen the the newer Who's since it's come out this century, but I would definitely say for me, because it's what I was exposed to, uh, especially before um, staying up on, on Saturday night to watch it with my dad, uh, mm-hmm. Tom Baker and Peter Davison are yeah. are my two faves. I, and, and I love yeah. Peter Davison too. Yeah. And, I've, yeah. Been on this, I've been on the set of, I've, I've got a photo on the, on the Peter Davison TARDIS. Oh, wow. really? Nice. But it, for me, it was I had to watch Doctor Who to get to Red Dawn. Red Dawn, or not Red Dawn? Red, Red Dwarf. Dwarf. Red, Red Dwarf. Dwarf. Yeah. Red, ah. that's the, I bet, Red Dwarf I, is a, that's a big influence on my films. I love, I love Red, Red Dwarf. Dwarf. Yeah, me too. Oh, I, man, I, 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 so, I, I did finally get around seeing season eleven. I haven't watched season. Oh, 12 I haven't yet. seen it yet. Oh, it's good. It's so funny. Is amazing. Well, twelve is almost as good, but it's just great. You know? Yeah. It, they get back to the. They stop being silly and they just go back to being the good old boys from the dwarf. You know, and it, it's. 
Um, cool. I mean, I was in stitches in some of the episodes. I've watched everything, you know. <laughs> it, 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 was, it wasn't for silliness. No, but I, I, I you I know, mean, I've always was, wanted, I wanted, flow I, again. I wanted to go that that level of comedy in something. I've always wanted to, but I've been warned away from it because of, you know, but this, if you see Humanity's End, it's got a touch of Red Dwarf. Yeah. Rogue Warrior has a touch of Red Dwarf, you know. Uh, I mean, it's, I love comedy and science fiction. It, it makes me happy. Yeah, um, see, it's I, the type of comedy I do anyway. So naturally, I, I love the Rocky Horror Picture Show. When first time I watched uh, Shock Treatment, I'm like, "Yeah, this was a mistake of a film." I mean, it was a good story, but it's like y'all are putting the pregnant pauses in there because you're hoping for the audience reaction. Exactly. And, and it was if you just shot the film and didn't worry about trying to force a audience response and force it into being a audience participation film like Rocky Horror. Yeah. It would have happened naturally. But exactly. since it, but since it's forced, it, it doesn't happen. Yeah. And that's that's what, the problem. That's why I think Clue works so well. And I think Clue could be uh, a modern day Rocky Horror. I haven't or, seen that. Uh, man, that's an all-star cast. Uh, Christopher Lloyd, uh, Bernadette Tim Peters, Curry. Tim Curry. Oh, wow. Um, Didn't oh. Tim Curry pass away recently? No, I thought he was still alive. I thought I heard he had a heart attack. He did. Well, maybe he had a heart attack. I, he, he did I have a heart, he attack had a heart attack a few years ago. But I don't think he. I don't think he passed away. No, but I they, think he survived it. But when, but when Fox did the uh, with the Laverne Cox with Laverne Cox in the role of Frankenfurter, mm-hmm. they they brought Tim Curry in to be the narrator for that Rocky Horror. Oh, that's nice. And, and, that's, it, and it worked. It it worked. Yeah. But yeah, Clue 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 was done extremely well, and, and the way that was shot, you could. I don't know, youth group watching it or in college watching it, we found ourselves doing similar things of, or, you know, long story short, too late. (laughs) And and they're, and they're counting gunshots and, you know, and you're there counting with them and, oh, you missed one. And just, it easily fell into a Rocky Horror-esque audience participation type film. Wow. Well, the same, like the room, you know, the, do you remember the, 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 the room movie? Um, I haven't seen it, the, but but the, I know of the, it. The disaster artist guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Uh, Tommy. 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 Tommy Wiseau. Wiseau. Yeah. yeah. Wiseau. I met him once actually before he was really famous. Well, really, really famous. I remember driving up uh, Highland Boulevard in Los Angeles about the 2007 or eight. And this weird guy just staring at you, you know, the room, you know, dare you watch this movie? And, and I thought, what the hell is that? <laughs> Man, that guy's got an ego. <laughs> and now all these years later, this guy, you know, but it's the same sort of thing, like the Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's just such a bad movie. People started doing the Rocky Horror stuff in it, you know, oh, yeah. the right cues to do this and do that. It became a became an audience participation movie. Uh, I, I I admire the man for having, you know, sticking to his uh, just lightning struck in a bottle. You know, that's the same with Rocky Horror. It's just one of those things you just, you know, you just get lucky. Things just right. hit the right. Moment. And I mean, I, you know, I haven't hit yet. I was gonna, I was gonna ask. Do you, do you think you have a film that? Well, what, I guess I could ask it. With the films that you've got out now, do you think there's one that could get a Rocky Horror audience participation type treatment? I don't know. Um, I, I hope not because I don't do that type of thing. Uh, and unfortunately, the world's moving away from cinema now. You know, movies. Um, 
right. the, the failure the failure of the Han Solo movie, I think, was part because of the cinema experiences dying. And everyone just said, "Oh yeah, we want to watch it. It's a good movie, but it's going to be out in Blu-ray in three months." You know, yeah, I, I can true. wait. Yeah. I mean, that's the reality of it. I mean, seriously, dude. You know, that's that's what's happening. Yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I thought that too. I thought I can't wait for it to come out in Blu-ray. <laughs> I mean, gone are gone are the days where movie comes out and oh, I gotta get. I can't wait to get this on Blu-ray. Yeah. yeah, if it comes out in May, it'll be out just in time for Christmas. No, try it'll be oh, out. Yeah. It'll be out before school starts. July, August. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know when it's coming, but I mean that. And that's the problem now. You know, it's so for me. Um, I look at these. Uh, I like the, the 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 big stories. You know, I like a movie that can go for eight hours and you can watch it right. in like like Blade Runner twenty twenty forty nine. I watched that in six parts. One evening, because I didn't get to see it in the movies, and I watched it on my laptop in in six pieces, and I loved it, absolutely loved it. And I watch it again yeah, and it was again. Good. Yeah, but but yeah. you know, I had to watch it in six pieces, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I think that's we're training ourselves differently now. So I think I think look, I, I evolution more. Um, you know, it's part of a big picture. It may end up becoming something. I think the time war is going to be the thing that will truly could resonate with with people. I don't know, but I know what follows the time war and evolution war will will be, could be the one. Because I'm just going. I just don't care anymore. I'm just. I'm not going to please anybody. I'm going to make, you know, epic poetry with great visuals and do what I want to do. And and I think when you do that, when you take a risk, I may fail, but I think you know there's a chance that I'll pull off something you know truly amazing. Um, and I mean, you know, look, look at movies like a race ahead with David Lynch. Yeah. Um, he just said, I'm just going to, I spent two years making this art movie and I don't care what people think, but look at, look at what a great movie it is. It's, it's a low budget, independent black and white weird movie that we all know what is, we all know what it is. <laughs> we all know what a race ahead is. Yeah. So I, 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 I'm, I'm just going off in the spirit of saying, you know, enough of the distributors telling me what to do. Uh, because I always do, and I'm just going to do what I want to do finally, and I've started to do that, and I'm stepping out further and further and further and further yeah. away. So I think what I what I come up, I can't say if anything will hit. I don't know. I just love what I do. I love my movies like children. One of the, those children will grow up to be a great person, you know. Which one? Who can say? You know, you never know. Like, you know. Right. But I think it's it's important as long as you are. As long as you do enjoy uh, what you're what you're doing and enjoy your movies, and I mean that's what's I'm, more I'm, important than that. I'm making the movies I want to see. I'm making yeah, the, exactly. The, there you the, go. The, the, I want to do a Star Wars television series. I've always wanted to do that since since mm. 1977, and Galactica wasn't making me happy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, back then, but I, I wanted that sort of thing. I wanted that experience in episodic form. And, uh, you know, I, I'm pushing myself towards that direction. Let's just say, you know, whether I could direct a Star Wars TV series or not, if they'd let me do it right. You know, if I, I mean, if, if they let me do last Jedi, for example, say, okay, this is what we got. What do you want to do? Uh, Neil Johnson, not Ryan Johnson. Uh, and by the way, I respect the hell out of Ryan Johnson and love what he did as yeah. an artist. He's, he's amazing. Yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. wow. You know, but if they asked me, I would have done something different. And people may have hated me and want to kill, you know, to, 
kill me for it. But I would have I would have gone off on a different tangent, and it might have made people happier or less happy. I, I I could have been assassinated for just killing Star Wars by now. But what I would have done would would have mm. been say, okay, we got this Luke Skywalker character, and you know, let's make Luke tries to conquer the dark side and turns the dark side and you know you think he's kind of a certain way all of a sudden three quarters of the way through the movie you realize that no luke is the is the bad guy in this he is the enemy and the the the, the first order isn't so bad yeah they're bad but the real evil is now this luke skywalker is gone and so star Wars episode so last shadow would have ended with luke going completely ballistic ballistic and evil and his eyes were glowing and it become this this dark lord of the sith type thing so you can't wait to see episode nine <laughs> You know, mm-hmm. to see him redeemed in a different way or something, you know, right. uh, I would have gone in. That's the direction I would have gone in. I want to have him become a, a nice Buddha type character. I would have had him face off against Yoda, um, you know, face off against the ghost of Anakin Skywalker and stuff and say, no, I'm off on my own tangent. I'm off now. I'm just gone completely ballistic in this different direction. I will conquer the dark side and I will return um, to bring the balance back to the force. You know, that's what I would have done. I, I'm not saying it would have been a great movie, but, you know, that's that's I would have said I'm going to take an equal risk that Ryan Johnson took and take it in a direction that nobody, you know, expected. And, you know, we saw we saw a hint of that. A little hint. <laughs> See, I, I yeah, think yeah. I mean when when Lucas came out and said, "Here was my pitch or my ideas for the final three films," and the fans would have hated those as well. I I think it, it doesn't matter who's helming Lucasfilm, whether it's mm-hmm. Kathleen Kennedy, whether it's myself or some other schmo out there. These. <laughs> The films were destined, are, are almost destined to fail to begin with, because it's exactly. not what the fans want. I mean, exactly. and we saw we saw that with the prequels. It's like you get under, you know. And I think a lot of, you know, we talk about it a lot, or I I mention it a lot. Star Wars is like the old movie serials. You know, that's the you know. Yeah. If, if you look at it the way the movie serials were done, you know, it's a slow build. The middle is your highlight because you're hitting your, your climax of the of the story being told. And then it tapers at the end again. It's that yeah. whole bell curve. And that's where we're at. We're at the bottom of that. We're starting to come down the backside of that bell curve with the final three films because we're being told there's only going to be the nine films. Yes. So, well, it's all it's almost like um to kind of to kind of mix my sci-fi, uh, it's almost kind of like uh, Kirk and the uh, Kobayashi Maru. Yeah, like that's that's what yep. the Star Wars movies have become. It's, it's you, just you can't, you win, can't no win no matter what you do. Exactly, you do solo. Everyone loves the film. Doesn't make money. You yeah, know? yeah. What, what what do you do? You know, it's it's you're, you're damned whatever you do. So I think. I think uh, Last Jedi will be remembered as a great film eventually. I remember a lot of people being negative. So Empire Strikes Back came out. A lot of people said, oh, it's not as good as the first one. Uh, it's kind of what <laughs> I thought. You it was know? Bad. I, I personally, as a kid, <laughs> I the favorite one. Yeah. It, but it, that we, we, in, in retrospect now, we've, we've had a lot of years yeah. to think about this, you know. Um, the, I, 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 I don't know. People are just – I mean, they, I, I, I get abused for my movies all the time. You should read my reviews. I know my movies aren't that bad but people like to rip on me and then that's okay but people people who shouldn't have a voice have a voice mm. and people like to hear their um think that you know they have a right to their criticism and attack because the, the internet exists and i mean it's it's horrendous 
you know, just like, and I mean, you know, we, we were talking about it before on, on air about the fans attacking this person and that person and, yeah. and the, the creators attacking these people and that people. And it's like, eventually we're going to have to learn courtesy and respect. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, know, I, exactly. I, I was about to say, just because you, you have the right to say something, you, you still have to be responsible for what you say. Yeah. You do, and I, I've, I have, I have had people who've abused me on online in the earlier days, and I've met those people face to face by accident sometimes or by you know consequence, and they back down, they chicken out every single time. Oh yeah, they they apologize and they step down from their high horse very quickly, and I mean that's just attacking online is a is a cowardly tool you know and i yeah. think mm-hmm. it's starting to turn around a little bit people are starting to realize you know i mean i'm i'm not pro trump or anti trump uh, because I don't have a right to an opinion because I'm not an, a U.S. voting citizen. I'm a U.S. I have a green card, but I don't have a right to an opinion. But I see attacks on him and uh, against him and him attacking everyone. And I think what happened at the time when people said, no matter who, who the president is, let's respect him. And if we don't like him, let's vote him out and get another one. You know, it's it's. The attacks on both sides, are, are, you know, it's just I'm just I just learned to be silent. I think it's it's respectful not to have a not to voice your opinion um, on anything because right. it's, it's it's nice. It's nice just to sit and be silent and um, yeah. enjoy a movie and go watch The Last Jedi and watch it six times and say, I like that. And just tell your friends I liked it. Go see Star Wars Solo. I liked it. Oh, I love you know? Solo. Yeah. yeah. I, love, I loved Rogue One. Yeah, me too. I mean, I I, 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 would put, I got no complaints. <laughs> yeah, I I think I have Solo and Rogue One in my top five of, of Star Wars films. Interesting. Um, I, w- I would definitely rate the last twenty minutes of Rogue One as the greatest. You know, the, some of the greatest uh, Star Wars moments. <laughs> that you that, know, up, up, along with the end of Return of the Jedi, along with parts of Empire Strikes Back and Star. You know, that last twenty minutes was the video game that we never got. <laughs> I know. It was badass. We want um, more of that. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. And I said this many times as well as Derek will test. I love the, mm-hmm. I love the last Jedi. I enjoyed the film, but I, that's the first star Wars film though. I say, you know, if you really want me to sit down and nitpick it, mm-hmm. I can nitpick. Yep. And I, but and again, I can criticize. you can do that with all of the films. I, so. I could, but I'm, I, I could, the easiest one for me to do it with at the moment is The Last Jedi. Still doesn't mean I don't love the film. Um, because I, I I felt it did advance the the franchise forward, but I mean there was still a lot of stuff in it that wasn't necessary. Yeah, but that's you know, and, and, and there was a lot of stuff in it that was deception. Of yeah, heading into the next film, it's like okay, like the whole thing with Ray's parents. Like this is this is just total Kylo trying to gain control over a stronger yeah. person. That's not an answered question, is it? No, it's not. <laughs> It's not. <laughs> or if it is, great. See, I, I think I think when we get to episode nine, it's gonna we're gonna have a whole new perspective. Probably, and yeah. I, you know, it's funny. Let me tell you, this is what I again, what I hate these these passes on on who review movies on IMDb and say, episode seven, Force Awakens, the worst movie ever, one star out of ten. This is crap. This is this. And then Last Jedi comes out. Oh. Oh, worst movie ever. And then they announce uh, um, J.J. Abrams is coming back. And everyone says, thank you. Thank you. We need J.J. Abrams back. Yeah. We need him now. 
but you like, just said <laughs> exactly they hate him then they love him and it's like just guys you know just, just see, see right now i i use two films as my as my uh barometer i guess it's not the, the actual word as, as my gauge for how bad is a movie mm-hmm. one is it worse than the last version of the fantastic four yeah <laughs> Which is actually worse than, is it worse than Jim, Jim and the holograms that was only in the theaters for two weeks before it got pulled and still somehow manages a better Rotten Tomato score than the last version of the Fantastic Four. What movie was this? Jim, Jim, and, the, Jim and the holograms. I never even heard of this movie. <laughs> It's based, it's based on an old eighties cartoon, loosely based on an old eighties cartoon. Yeah, loose. Yeah, very loosely. Wow. And that's bad. Is it? Is it a bad movie? Um, apparently I've never the, seen it, so I can't I, say. But. I haven't. I haven't seen it either. I just remember this. You know, we talked about it here. Uh-huh. The movie came out, and two weeks later, the um, they pulled it. They it got pulled from the theater. No, it wasn't the theaters pulled it. Is who right. whoever the distributor was. Or the, oh, interesting. Yeah, it was probably because it was losing money. It was, but it still ended up being a better film than than the last Fantastic Four. Now, yeah, I watched that movie, and I felt bad for Josh Trank. And, I mean, I, we don't know for sure what really went on, whether his dog trashed the, uh, the house that he was in, whether he was drunk all the time or not. I question all of those things. It is possible. Uh, but I watched it and I could see the meddling. I could smell the meddling in that thing a mile away. Cause I, you know, I know enough about movies. Mm. People were putting their fingerprints all over it and it wasn't Josh Trank, you know, and I feel sorry for the the guy because he got the blame for it, but the blame was the studios, you know, and I mean, it's obvious they, they all wanted to put their, you know, little stamp of approval. He didn't have the balls to stand up to them and maybe right. that's his only fault. And, or maybe he did have the balls to stand up and that's what happened. You know, maybe they screwed him. Um, you know, I generally, whenever the people are left alone to do, do what they do, it's generally a good thing. You know, most of the time it's a good thing. Um, the big question about is, is rogue one, you know, there's a bit of meddling in that and we can ask ourselves, you know, was the meddling for good or bad? We don't know. Right. Um, but it, I, because of that meddling, we got the last 20 minutes apparently, you know? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. so you know what I mean? It, it's, it's. It's such a such a complex art form, you know, in every sense of the word. Um, but but name a Star Wars film that didn't have meddling in it. Yeah, well, Return of the Jedi had a lot of meddling. Yeah, <laughs> we know I, that. I think I, I, think, I think Empire yeah. is one of the ones that had the least amount, and the person who was meddling in that was Lucas. <laughs> yeah, well, I think Lucas was a little scared to meddle because it was his old old teacher, you know, yeah. from film school, who was the yeah, director. Yeah. So it, it's the one time he didn't, and look what it, it was a great film. Um, uh, Spielberg was supposed to direct part of uh, was supposed to direct the whole of Revenge of the Sith, and then was going to do a little. He actually kind of directed the sequence of it. You know, uh, I don't know if anyone knows that, but in, in Revenge of the Sith, you know the the creature thing uh, that Kenobi rides yes, that makes yes, a noise. Yeah. Oh, Spielberg yeah. storyboarded that se- sequence. I don't know how much of it they used it, but he did the storyboards of that. You know, he kind of part, partly directed it. Spielberg always wanted to direct a Star Wars movie. Now, why in hell have they not got Spielberg to direct a Star Wars movie? You know, that's a good question. <laughs> they should. He wants to do it. He wants to do it. But why I, wouldn't they? But I thought he wanted to do it while Lucas was still in charge. 
I didn't think he wanted well, to do it since. Kathleen Kennedy's his, his old buddy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't think anyone's going to say no to him. He trained he trained J.J. Abrams. Sure. Um, you know, I, I, it would probably be, a uh, you know, something semi, semi like Force Awakens in tone. Uh, I would guess if he did it, um, well, it would be. I would like to see it. You know, what would be? Yeah. The, what would be the? Um, let's say the the two that have been rumored to be coming out, Boba Fett and Obi Wan. Which one of those would you turn over to Spielberg? The Kenobi one, because he's better with character. I think the James Mangold's a really good choice for Logan. If they do it, I sure hope they do. Yeah, yeah. But let's be honest. You know what? They, I'd be honest. What I think they're going to have to do is my my opinion. Um, is they're going to have to turn some of this over to television. They should do an anthology TV series yeah. and do the that the Ben Kenobi, the Kenobi movie now because the budgets are. I mean, come on, we've got Will Smith doing Netflix movies. Um, right, Sean, yeah. Sean Penn, who lives up the road, is doing uh, science fiction movies now on on science fiction films, uh, TV shows. Um, you know, they should turn the anthology over to a, to a, every few months. We have another one on Netflix, make it a television event, uh, a Netflix, a streaming event. I, I think, I think that's what they're doing with the, uh, the Disney streaming service that's supposed to come out next year. Uh, yeah. Favreau, John Favreau is doing a, a series. Yeah. And um, if, if this, this was 2010, it would be a, it would be a movie trilogy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and we have said we would love to see um, the Crimson Dawn crime syndicate be yeah. done as a movie, and that would be the perfect place to put to to put Maul in exactly. And let us explore Maul, you know, Maul a little bit more. Well, you, we may already. I think I get a strong feeling. We, okay, so George Lucas already had those uh, those underworld scripts written. You know, the yes. underworld, of person, right. which is kind of around the same time period as as the Crimson. Yeah. The the, the you know the the the, the Crimson storyline. So it's possible we have scripts that have been adjusted right now. And John Favreau has come out and said that, well, he's doing something else. But he says, yeah, it's going to be three years after Return of the Jedi. But he, mm-hmm. 50, 50% of the scripts are already done for season one. Yeah. So I'm a little confused how quickly they wrote those. <laughs> so I, I'm, almost, I'm almost wondering if, if Favreau's doing – it's just made some adjustments to, to the Underworld scripts. It's Cause possible. Because there yeah, are maybe. 50 Underworld scripts done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's 50, right. 50 hours of television. It's great. So, I, I you know – all, all I say to any any critic of Star Wars or any anything is, if you don't like it, go and make something better yourself. And mm. I don't have any complaints to make about any movie because I made enough to know how hard it is. But if I want to see a Star Wars TV series or that a certain type of thing, um, I'm going to make. I'm just going to go ahead and make it now. And that's the way I'm looking now. I'm going to do epic stories, you know, science fiction t- television on a Star Wars scale, you know, or storylines like that. That's kind of where I'm trying ahead myself and i mean i think that's the smartest thing people can do awesome you know they, they they should just go and do do better you cannot criticize until you've done better and once you can do better you learn that you shouldn't criticize because it's so hard to do you know right. and i you know I, I i can't criticize anybody I've, i'm too old i criticize everyone when i was young with as we all do when you grow and get a little older and <laughs> um you know how it is yeah it's one of those things i'm just I, i'm 50 this year so you know i'm 51 I'm, this year. i'm not that far behind you yeah uh, I'll, I'll, turn, let, I'll turn 48. I've become very zen in everything. You know? <laughs> I, 
in a lot of stuff, I've come, I've become very impatient with mm. with folks. It's like, oh yeah, driving yeah. around Los Angeles. <laughs> and I'm sure the same. I'm sure Orlando, the same in Florida. Or, or yeah, Orlando's exactly. just as bad. And I'm sure. Yeah. I, well, Derek's in the Boston area, so that's, that's just oh, as bad up there as well. I'm so sorry, sir. I have been to Boston. Many times. <laughs> I know. I, I know your pain. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh. So. Wow. W- where can people find you online? Uh, they can go to www.empire.com, E-M-whatever, minus P-I-R-E.com. Uh, from there, you can follow all my links. But otherwise, I'm on Twitter at Director Neil Johnson, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Director Neil Johnson. Um, just Google me. It's I'm very easy to track down. I'm everywhere. I'm, I'm friendly. I'm not an ass. Um, uh, you know, I'm just if I I'm I'm very very busy making my movies. That's about all I can say. You know, I work seven days a week, sixteen hours a day, and I'm uh, yeah, as poor as anyone. You know, and that's what keeps them out of trouble. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I used to get in a lot of trouble. <laughs> I, I've I've been on tour with heavy metal bands uh, quite a few times and got myself yeah. out of trouble. Yeah, so, I'm so. sure. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So Derek, before we let Neil go, any final thoughts? Final questions for Neil? Um, no, I think we covered everything. That's a I talked too that's much. A great question. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it almost hit that autopilot mode. <laughs> yeah, I, I will actually have to bail anyway. I've got an editor waiting for me um, uh, for the evolution war. He's got yeah. time. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, he's staring at me in the corner. Give me a good look. <laughs> you, you, sorry, you, things happen. You, you could tell him that this is a Tracy Birdsall certified podcast, and this is more important than his work right now. I'll give, a, I'll give him a Tracy Bursal t-shirt that might shut him up. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> well, we, we thank you for coming on. Thank you, guys. It was wonderful talking. I'm just happy to talk about Star Wars. That's all I want to talk about, to be honest. Oh, we, we <laughs> yeah, had a lot of fun. Well, we'll have to get you over on uh, Wookiee Radio then. Oh, I would Sometime. love that. Dude, I could go on for hours about it. Oh. I have a you know, I love everything, you know, all the comics, reading them all, read them all, the books, you know, uh, you know of, the action figures. Of the of the new since Marvel has gotten the the, the Star Wars franchise back. Darth Vader comic series. I agree. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I think the only thing I would say would put more is Doctor Afra. I absolutely, I mean, I loved the Karen Gillian Vader, and I love what Charles Soul did. Um, wait, no, Soul's still doing. I, I love what Soul's doing, but I think Afra, uh, even with the writer change, is still probably the top Star Wars wow. comic out there. I absolutely love that comic. I love that character. Interesting. Interesting. Mm. I, 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 I binge read, you see. So I'm, uh, I just, I just binge read a bunch of the, the Vader ones. So, okay. Uh, Afra's next. I, it all intertwines. It's quite confusing for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just love it all. Wait, I hate it all. Wait till, wait till you start in on Afra. I guarantee you, you're going to be hitting us up on Twitter going, you were right. Yeah. Oh, I, no, I've, I've read about 10 issues, I think. And then I just stopped because the Vader stuff took over. And oh, just, so, you know. so you're, you're up to around the time of the Screaming Citadel time. Yeah, I've done that. I've done the Screaming Citadel. That's about where I stopped. That's, so, this is okay. when it really yeah. kicks off. Screaming, oh, nice. C- Screaming Citadel was great. Yeah. 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 So now you're you're really starting to get into nice some nice. some great run. Nice. My, I don't my, know though. I I still got to go with Vader as my favorite. 
Yeah. Yeah. Those that first twenty five issue mm-hmm. with Galleon was absolutely amazing. Yeah. I like the new stuff. I'm really digging the new yeah. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I I like the Lando comic too. I thought he's stealing Emperor's, you know. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And the Thrawn one too. Yes, I'm, I'm sitting there waiting for that. I love Thrawn. Loved the the end of Rebels. Yes, I, I was yes. I was surprised. I loved um, the Kanan series. Oh, I haven't read it yet. Again, well, I I will say it was not Marvel who brought that to an end. It was Lucasfilm because they were starting to get too close to source material in the show. Interesting. So interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll be getting onto that one then. <laughs> well, we, we thank you for coming on. Uh, yeah. We're, we're not going to delay the editor too much more being That's audio and <laughs> being an audio engineer myself. I kind of understand. Um, <laughs> Definitely, we'll get you on Wookie Radio. We definitely would love to have you come back once Evolution War is done and Time War comes out as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, so go check out Neil's work. Go check out Rogue Warrior. You can get it now. You can still get it on Amazon. Derek and mm-hmm. I did. Um, so much other. You know, I know I'm going to go back and try and find some more films from Neil's catalog. Until next time, hopefully this this interview with Neil has made you ask. Want to know more? So, um, the bad crowd you've been hanging out with is a science fiction club? This has been a Weeby Geeks production.